the last few weeks, we've been in Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd like to go back there uh, one last time for me this morning, as I'd like to pay attention to another aspect of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because one of the, one of the grand um, takeaways that I have when I pay attention to Paul's particular passage that comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is that we are different. That we are different people, and that difference comes it comes with intentionality that we are different not because we claim Jesus or we come to church or we identify with, with a particular congregation. We are different on purpose through Jesus Christ. And so over the last uh, couple of weeks, over the, the last few weeks of this month, and, and as we paid attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I, I have, have tried, and Brandon has uh, a couple of weeks ago, tried to pay attention to this one grand truth that we pull away, that Jesus is the difference. We're different because of him. <clears throat> we have purpose in our difference, and that means that we live, we act, we think, we react, we have different kinds of attitudes all on purpose, and Jesus is the source of that difference. So we've tried to think of different ways over, the, over, this, over this month, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to, to really convey this message. And so it, it occurred to me this week that perhaps... There's another way to share this message, this idea that Jesus is the difference in our lives, maybe in a more, um, in a more um, in your face, or at least in a more uh, cultural context. And so here's the idea that I want us to take away. Jesus, okay? He is the wordle of the day, okay? Five letters, you can't go wrong. When you do this, you understand the difference in the life that you have proclaimed in his name. Jesus is the difference, and he makes us different. And not only is Jesus the answer, Jesus is the source of our very actions, words, and attitudes. Our actions, words, and attitudes are different because Jesus sees us differently. And here's where I want to pay attention in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've paid attention that in Jesus, we are clothed differently, the first part of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We understand that in Jesus, we are plain to God. God sees us, all our warts, all our baggage, but God sees us for who we truly are in him as his children. In Jesus, we are compelled by something different than our ambitions or our own doings. We are compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, picking up in verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes, For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, <clears throat> and therefore all have died. 
And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do not do this any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Our actions, words, our attitudes are different, and because Jesus is the difference maker, I love this, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. I am often <clears throat> too guilty of being one who regards others from a worldly standpoint. Seeing situations, dynamics, the actions or the words of others from a worldly perspective. That word, regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Paul's, Paul's word there quite literally means to physically see before you. What Paul is saying is, is we don't see, quite literally physically use our eyes and see people from a standpoint that sees people as commodity, as pawns. We don't see people as, as objectives. We don't see people as useless. We don't see people from a worldly standpoint that says people are nothing more. If I don't have a relationship, if we're not my, part of my tribe, if this is not who, we don't see people from that standpoint. We physically see others of every background, of every country, of every skin color. We see every person physically see them in a completely different way. And we do that, we're able to do this because of Jesus. <clears throat> this is the second weekend in a row my wife Laura has been gone. My two youngest have been with me for two weekends in a row. Okay? Now, their weekends are vastly different when mom's not around, okay? Dads are like, yeah, of course, right? right you, you understand this concept? When, when mom's not around, the weekend just automatically has a different feel and structure to it, okay? And two weekends in a row, I was kind of, I was really digesting this yesterday, um, but two weekends in a row, they now know the routine when mom's gone, right? There will be at least one meal that we will eat out, right? Okay? They know, <laughs> this is going to make me sound off, they know they don't have to ask to be on their iPads, right? <laughs> right? Um, they know ice cream is in the forecast every night, Right? There are certain things to which, now if, if Laura is around, it's not to say that these things aren't going to happen, but they're a little less guaranteed, right? And what, what I was thinking about is how Wiley and Scout, 
Um, with, with Laura gone for a couple of weekends uh, with a volleyball trip and now the youth group this weekend, they have now realized or have kind of grown accustomed a couple, only two weekends in a row, they have grown accustomed to a different way of, of seeing things, right? They, oh, they see mom's gone. They know certain things can happen and will happen, right? And as we think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want us to think about it from, these two, from this perspective for just a moment, right? That when we find ourselves or when we choose to be away, right? Or we choose a, a relationship with Christ that is solely built on an hour or two a week, that is built on on checking boxes rather than communion or communal relationship with Jesus Christ, when we, when we begin to see that we don't need or we think we don't need Christ in our lives every single second of our lives, we begin to see life from a different perspective. We know, we know that without Christ, there are certain things that are acceptable. There are certain things we can do. There are certain things that we, can, that we can gray up a little bit and we can make certain determinations on. Out of the presence of Christ, we live differently. We're told to live differently and have different objectives and goals in life without Christ. But when Christ is around, we tend to, to have a different perspective in things. And this is why the, the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ ought to be a daily every moment of our lives kind of relationship. This is why we must push back on the idea that religion or our, our faith walks are something that we can check off, that's something that we can accomplish. Because our relationships are dynamic. You think about the relationships with your spouse or your parents or your children or your grandchildren. You think about the relationships with your friends or your neighbors. You think about the relationships that you have in your life. They are dynamic, are they not? They move. They change. Not only do circumstances influence those relationships, but time also influences those relationships. Time with, experiences shared. And when we get used, when we, when we grow accustomed to a certain way without the influence or the presence of Christ, nothing is different and we see from a worldly perspective, a worldly point of view as Paul puts it. So for Paul, for the apostle as he writes to the church in Corinth, the church that that has a, has a laundry list of things that Paul has to consistently push up against, he's reminding them that they are different. And their difference maker is Jesus Christ. And their difference maker is not only present, he is available. And their difference maker not only influences who they are on Sunday, it influences them on Monday through Saturday. Every moment. Every second. And because Jesus is that difference, God's people are now regarding physically seeing others from this different perspective. Because we are people that have purpose in our difference. We behold others, not as commodity. We regard others with love, with respect, kindness. <clears throat> I think in a lot of ways... 
I think one of the grand differences for people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior, one of the big difference makers for Jesus Christ followers is that God's people, Jesus' people, Jesus' disciples, Jesus' church concludes things differently. We come to different conclusions in our lives and our circumstances. We're supposed to not only see people differently, we ought to come to a different conclusion altogether about people because we do not see or behold people from a worldly point of view. Jesus has made such a difference. He ought to have been such a difference maker in our lives is that we come to a vastly different conclusion about our circumstances, about our situations, about our relationships, about the people we may not know. We regard people differently in Jesus Christ. That different kind of perspective grows from that constant, consistent communal relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. It becomes this motivation. How does Paul put it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. We are compelled out of that love. We're not influenced by that love. We're not motivated by that love. That love is not a, a factor in our decisions. It is a compelling argument for who we are to be. Different in this world. And so we, don't, we not only look at situations and circumstances differently. Go back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for just a moment. Do you know why Jesus said if somebody slaps you on your cheek, turn to them and let them slap you again? Because it's different. Because you're not, you're not compelled by the ways of the world and you should be compelled to do things so different. You ought to come to a vastly different conclusion that you are willing to not tear down relationships with other people, even someone who's willing to hit you. That we ought to be people who struggle with this idea that we conclude things differently because we regard people differently. Let's continue, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me pick up in verse 18. This idea of compelling love that comes from Christ. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, <clears throat> be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. New perspective is based on something new and different all together. We are new creations. And out of these new creations, we are saying goodbye to the old and we are welcoming something different that at times we may not truly fully grasp. This is why I believe Jesus simply tells his disciples to follow me. 
Because if we asked for the agenda or we asked for the itinerary, if we asked what was going to happen in five years and found out Jesus planned to die in three, we'd probably say no, right? The old is gone, and we are now allowed to say goodbye to it. This is why in baptism, we don't just go through the motions of baptism. We are spiritually awakening something new in our choice of baptism. We are saying goodbye to the old, and we die in the, gra the watery grave of that old. And we now come up new. Something new and different entirely. We are new creations in Him. And now our lives are lived from a different perspective. And reconciliation happens in that moment where we come out of the water of baptism. Reconciliation is this difference maker that comes through Jesus. And this, this idea is completely foreign to the world, isn't it? This idea of of, of restoring something, restoring relationship, seeing people as more than pawns and commodity, as tools, as road, you know, speed bumps. This different kind of perspective builds out of this idea of reconciliation, and quite honestly, the world has no idea what to do with the reconciliation that comes through Jesus Christ. We are able to even entertain the idea of peace when somebody slaps you on the right cheek and, let, and turn to them the other because of reconciliation. Vastly different way of thinking about conflict. Vastly different way of seeing the soul that stands before us. The world has no idea what to do with this idea of God's people not being loud, not taking over in power, but God's people being submissive and humble and willing to reconciliation out and their everyday personal relationships regarding people, physically seeing people differently because of Jesus. The world has no regard for the cross of Christ. The world has no regard for the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus restored you. He restored you. He brought you close. You see, the damage of sin, though there are always consequences to our decisions, the damage of sin is not the domino effect of our, of our actions. The damage of sin is separation from God. It's being far from. It's, it's keeping God at a distance. It's keeping our relationship, you know, uh, transactional. It's keeping God away from us. Sin creates that chasm. It creates that separation. And sin wants to look at relationships in this way. That if you've done something, there's no way to fix it. And in Jesus Christ, there is a new way of thinking about life. Reconciliation. The world has no regard for this. The world does not see people as, as able to restore relationship. The world doesn't see the cross and the power of reconciliation. The power of restoration. 
And the more we go, the more we live, and as this world continues to unfold before us, as we continue to enter into this post-Christian era that we find ourselves in, we will be looked at more and more as odd people. We will be looked at for odd behavior, odd choices, going to a school for church, giving money to this organization or to, to those people, helping Afghan refugees, odd behavior. You sing oddly too, and you care in odd ways. We will be looked at as people in odd perspectives from a worldly point of view. See, the world has no regard, has no regard for the cross of Christ, which is the symbol. It is the epitome of the power of restoration, of reconciliation. We live from that power. We act from that power. We speak from that power. We approach situations and circumstances, world news events, and personal contact with people. We approach that with an attitude that is reconciliation, the power of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, this idea is very scriptural, a couple of points to which even the Apostle Paul makes in his uh, first Corinthians letter, the first letter that we have to the church in Corinth, first Corinthians chapter one, verses 18 and 19, Paul reminds the church, the message of the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then he quotes Isaiah, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. What is God saying through the prophet Isaiah and through the apostle Paul? Is that that cross of Christ, that power of reconciliation, that's nothing to this world. It doesn't see the ability there. It doesn't see the difference that it can make and that God will make it foolish in, in, that, in that moment, in that symbol, in that power of reconciliation. Just a couple of chapters later, as Paul continues to write, he says this, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Picking up in verse 18, do not deceive yourselves, church. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. This idea is not hard for us to grasp, but it is hard for us to implement that the world doesn't regard the power of restoration and reconciliation in the cross of Jesus Christ. It is foolish to the world. And we must be people who are careful not to see it as foolishness, to restore relationship, to be willing to view people differently, to regard, to see folks through the power of Jesus Christ. We must be people who are willing to live into the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus gave us the ministry of re reconciliation. And we're his ambassadors. We are his ambassadors. We are his people of today. <clears throat> Who you come into contact with is no mistake who you have relationship with, who you have opportunity to be, 
our words and our actions and our attitudes all have the important opportunity to, rel- to, to live out reconciliation, the power of Jesus Christ, because we represent him. We find the difference in him. Okay, here's your takeaway and your preacher homework. Read any one of the Gospels today. Find out, pay attention to how Jesus interacts with people. Jesus comes across complete strangers in his life. And I promise you, you will not find Jesus regarding seeing the person who stands before him, the stranger that stands before him. He will not see them as a commodity or a pawn or a distraction or something he needs to to go by. He views people differently. In John chapter 4, there's a Samaritan woman at the well. This woman goes to the well at noontime, away from all the other people. She is a disgrace... She is the talk of the town. She is the sinner to which no one wants to associate themselves with. And yet Jesus not only will talk to a Samaritan woman, which is completely uncalled for if you're a Jewish person of the first century, but he's willing to talk to a Samaritan woman who is an outcast within her own tribe, the Samaritan people. Jesus spends time with her. He talks to her. He asks her questions. She asks him questions. They spend a few moments at this well, and Jesus looks at her, and he gives her truth. The truth of reconciliation. And he looks at you in the exact same way. He looks at you and everything that you have done and all the sin and thinking you can only go to the well at noontime and that everyone thinks this or knows this and all these things have happened to you in your life. He looks at you and he still spends time with you and he looks at you just like he did with the woman in John chapter 4 and he calls you his very own. Mark chapter 1, I love this Jesus' ministry is, go, is, is starting, uh, starting up in, in the early part of Mark chapter 1. And out of nowhere, as Jesus is traveling from one place to another, a leper comes out of the leper colony and approaches Jesus. The leper, who is not only uh, one who is not to do this, stay away from all people, he comes, he breaks all protocols. He is a forgotten member of society. He's diseased. He should be left alone. He should not come up. And yet Jesus does something remarkable in Mark chapter 1. He doesn't see, he doesn't regard this person as the world might. He stops and he looks and he reaches out his hand and he puts it on the man's shoulder and he looks him right in the eye and restores him. 
those who are forgotten in our lives, we must be the people who see them differently like Jesus. Reach out, willing to put our hands on their shoulder and call them into relationship. In John chapter 5, a man has been a paralytic for 38 years. Most of, if not all of his entire life. He spends time at the healing pool every day, hoping, praying for a miracle to come out of these waters at Bethsaida. It doesn't work. He's forgotten and left there. He lives on the edge of this pool. And every time the water bubbles up where the, the supposed miracle will take place, he's trampled on, quite literally trampled on, stepped on. And Jesus goes to him the one forgotten, the one left. Jesus goes to the one who has walked all over every single day and tells him to get up. You're mine. God sees you and us. He sees those that we come into contact differently and he calls us to see and to regard people not from the worldly perspective but from this Jesus perspective where we go to those who are walked on every single day and remind them that they are able to get up in Jesus Christ. Our actions, our words, and our attitudes are different because Jesus sees you differently. And may this be a place, may this be a church, a community that is not known for their politics and their, their loud voices, their positions on different things. May this be a church where God's people are, glor are glorifying Jesus Christ and the power of the cross of reconciliation. May God's people, may this place, may each and every one of us move into a different way. May we regard and see others the way Jesus sees them in everything we do, in our words, in our actions, and with our attitudes. I want to offer an invitation in this place this morning. I'll make myself available up front this morning. One of our shepherds, John Fennell, will make himself available in the back of the cafeteria this morning during the singing of one last song here this morning. If there's a need of any kind, if this community could help you in any way, if I as your minister or one of our shepherds can be with you, pray with you, help in any way, please do not hesitate to come find one of us. This is uh, not the only opportunity to respond to God's word. My greatest prayer is that we are consistently reminding ourselves of the truth of God's reconciliation through Jesus Christ, that we do not get used to life without him, that we don't become a grow accustomed to God being left out of most of our life, but we welcome him into every moment of our lives and we live differently because he is differently. Let us respond as it is appropriate. Let's stand together in this place and sing.